welcome to The Stooshy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip. On this special edition, we're bringing you a full interview with the SNP's Westminster leader, Stephen Flynn, who is, as of December the 6th, one year into his role. December's a good time to take stock anyway, politics being different, and it's been a turbulent 12 months for sure. Stephen Flynn took over from Ian Blackford in what looked like a stop-start coup, but ended up in an old pals act as the party tried to gel again in the Commons. That was before Nicola Sturgeon stepped down, the first big shock. Then, of course, there were arrests in a financial investigation by the police, which remains ongoing today. Hamza Yousaf is in charge, but has had to deal with by-election setbacks and no shortage of problems in Parliament, with a budget coming down the line. Stephen Flynn is a proud Dundonian who represents the constituency of Aberdeen South. He spoke with Justin Bowie to rake over that tough first year, touching on difficult political choices, family, football, a bizarre accolade as the hard man of Westminster, and a look at what could be another step up if he has ambitions in Holyrood down the line. Thanks for joining us today, Stephen. It's been quite the year since you took over as leader. From people initially accusing you of launching a bit of a coup against your former boss Ian Blackford to being named Britain's hardest MP, which we'll come back to in a bit. Is this how you saw your first year in charge panning out? I'd imagine it's perhaps maybe not been the first year you would have picked as Westminster leader. There's been a lot going on within the SNP, but how's it been? It's a pretty broad question. It's gone very quick, uh, which is probably uh, a reflection of, of how much has been going on. You know, from from my perspective, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, I've very much enjoyed it. The the opportunity which I've been afforded by my colleagues to to be the group leader is, is something which I take incredibly seriously, and it's a it's a big honour. Uh, and you know, marrying the expectations that are on you uh, as the leader of the third party in Westminster, uh, alongside your your constituency duties, uh, which I take incredibly importantly uh, as well, back home in Aberdeen. It's uh, it's been a challenge at points uh, for sure, but it's something that I've definitely enjoyed. And um, there's very few people uh, with my with my background who find themselves in this position. Uh, so you've just got to, as I've always kind of said, you've got to grasp the opportunities that are in front of you. And I like to think I've I've done that. How are relationships within the party at Westminster? You've obviously had the defection of Lisa Cameron recently. Angus McNeil sitting outside the SNP group, so there's been some challenges there, but. How are relationships within the party? Do you feel that the Westminster group's quite united at the moment? Yeah, no, I think the certainly uh, my, my take on it is that, that my colleagues are very much all focused on on next year and the general election, which is to come. And, you know, we're, we know that in certain parts of Scotland, uh, particularly in the central belt, it's all to play for um, in relation to who's who's going to come out on top. Um, so, no, we're, we're very, very... United, very positive and focused on the general election campaign and, and taking control of the, the things that we can control and making sure that we're getting our our positive message for the future out to to the people who we represent. And you know that's gonna it's gonna require a lot of hard work. Um, it's gonna require um, it's gonna require people investing themselves fully in campaigning which we're all very well accustomed to doing but you know we know what can be achieved at the end of it and that's where our focus lies but yeah everyone's everyone's uh, fully on board with that and just looking forward to it and how is your relationship with your predecessor ian blackford he was in that role for quite a long time and you replaced him last year is he somebody that you now go to for advice is, is he somebody you would say you speak to a lot to ask you know how he would have done things when he was in charge 
Uh, yeah, so I got on really well with Ian. Um, we were having a chat just uh, just the other day, actually. Um, Ian's uh, doing a really important role for the party um, as the business ambassador, and a, a lot of my work uh, involves, as I'm sure you can imagine, speaking with lots of different stakeholders, of which the, the business community is is a really important one. And obviously, this, the seat the, that I represent in Aberdeen South is is one which has uh, a vast swathes of one of the, some of the most uh, important businesses in, in the UK home there. So, um, no, me and Ian speak very regularly about policy uh, in and around that. Um, but otherwise, we, we like to have a wee blather about the football every now and then, uh, although that's probably been less of late, given the fact that United got relegated and the, and the high bees are doing all right now that they shifted manager. So, no, Ian's, Ian's, uh, Ian's good. And, uh, you know, we get on there. As I mentioned at the start of the interview, you were recently voted as Britain's hardest MP in a magazine poll. Um, and following that, you shared a clip um, of a Dundonian man named David McQueen, who described Dundee as a bit of a hard man city. And at The Courier, we since tracked him down and spoke to him. And, and that story obviously has provoked you know, a lot of interest. It's a, it's a brilliant clip for any of our listeners who haven't seen it. Um, so I was wondering, what was your reaction to all of that coverage? And if I'm correct, I believe you actually went to school with David back in the day? Yeah, I think uh, someone uh, someone told me that David was uh, four or five years above me uh, in school. I'm not sure of our paths crossed because I, I went into the Harris uh, in third year, so he'd maybe left by that point. But he was definitely he was definitely in Harris in and around the, the same time that I was there. Um, I'm actually just glad he took it well because uh, I started seeing the numbers that were uh, going on the tweet and thinking, oh, geez, I hope this guy's uh, going to be all right with it. He's still kicking about. But no, right enough, he, he seemed to take it in good spirits and uh, he seems to be doing pretty well for himself as well as principal teacher of uh, was it physics or something uh, that I think I'd read a couple of weeks ago. Um, but no, I, was, uh, I just thought it was quite funny, to be honest. We, I'd been waiting to use that clip for, for ages. We all, we all know it, uh, all of us who were brought up in Dundee. Um, so it kind of landed in my lap a wee bit and... You know, the, the title itself is a bit embarrassing. Uh, I'm I'm probably more of a runner than I am a, a hard man, that's for sure. Um, but it's uh, it's it's all in, in good spirits. And, you know, there's been a bit of banter between the MPs about it as well, which has been uh, been pretty good. So I've got to ask, if, if you are the hardest MP at Westminster, who would your vote go to for the hardest MSP at Holyrood? <laughs> God, that is a question. Um, is it... Yeah, and maybe plump for George Adam. He's a George is a big guy. Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wanted bumping a George. Uh, again, on the wrong side of him. Uh, I, I don't know who else actually. Uh, I'm sure Jackie Bailey would probably throw herself into the mix. Uh, she likes a pretty robust press comment every now and then. Um, I, I don't think Alex Cole Hamilton would quite cut it. Um, I think yeah, he's got he's. Uh, He's not going to make the shortlist, but no, I'm sure. I'm sure they can all fight out amongst themselves to to get the title. <laughs> so, moving on to slightly more serious matters, it, it has been quite a difficult year for the SNP, especially at Holyrood. There's been a change in leadership at the top. The party's finances have been under constant scrutiny, and we've even had a scandal centred around an iPad over the past month. Has has all of that been a distraction at you for Westminster? How do you concentrate? on your own job when there's so much happening up north? I guess I guess from my perspective, it's, it's pretty simple. I, I focus on what I can control, and what I can control is trying to to be the best local representative I can be, but also the best group leader that I can be. Um, so when I'm speaking with folk in, in Aberdeen and right across Scotland, because I've done a, a fair amount of travelling across the country this year, 
Um, everyone's just been focused on the cost of living crisis, uh, whether it's their energy bills, their mortgage bills, uh, their food bills. People are really, really struggling at the moment. Um, and I see it as my job to try and be their voice in Parliament. And, you know, I can control what I say in that context. And that's where that's where my focus is lay. Obviously, we've had uh, profoundly challenging things to deal with in, in Westminster of late with the, the situation in Israel and in Gaza. Um, which has obviously occupied a great deal of, of our time and our thoughts. And we've similarly uh, had the autumn statement um, just in the last couple of weeks as well and the impact that that's going to have um, on public sector spending right across the, the UK. Um, so there's there's more than enough to, to keep me busy, to keep my colleagues busy. And, you know, we just try to, to focus on that and to make sure that, that we are making the best possible case that we can um, on behalf of the people that, that we are very fortunate to represent, because after all, that's that's why we're here. Um, there's things that, that we can't control. A police investigation is not something uh, I can control. I, I don't know when it's going to conclude. Um, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. So I don't really necessarily focus on that. I focus on, on the things that matter to, to the folk I represent and just try and be um, the best voice I can be. What's your assessment of Hamza Youssef as First Minister so far since he took over? You backed him, but it was a narrow win and it has been a tough time for him in the top job with everything that's been going on. And along similar lines, what was your reaction when Nicola Sturgeon resigned? It must have been a bit of a shock. So uh, it was a shock. I uh, so when Nicola when Nicola resigned in our uh, in our statement that, that she gave in Butte House, I think it was, um, she'd said that she'd been at a funeral the day before, um, for a guy called a brilliant guy called Alan Angus, um, just up outside uh, of Aberdeen, and I'd been at the same funeral and uh, knew Alan well, and uh, when Nicola obviously jumped in the car back then to to Edinburgh. Um, I'd gotten a, a car back to, to Aberdeen and with a few colleagues had probably spent a bit too much time uh, celebrating Alan's life in the pub. So uh, when I when I got the news the, the following morning, very early uh, the following morning uh, about what was going to happen um, later that day, uh, yeah, I was pretty shocked and also regretting massively the fact that I'd spent uh, a good few hours uh, drinking McAllen in the, in the pub. But... Yeah, so that was that was a big shock. Um, but you know, since then, I think Combs has done he's done remarkably well. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone would uh, try to shy away from the the challenges that the party has faced um, in, internally, um, and he has stood up and been counted in that regard. Um, and that all culminated obviously in conference, which was extremely positive, and it was good to see um, many key figures within the party all coming together behind his vision. And, you know, similarly outwardly, um, I don't think anyone can deny um, that Hamza has purposely been at the forefront of trying to deal with all the all the big things that have been that have been out there in the public domain. Um, he's put himself front and centre and I think he's done brilliantly at that. Um, and you know, that's probably typified by the, the situation in Gaza where despite the the extreme personal toil he was facing, he was still able to he was still able to lead the country. And, you know, that that's a mark of the man uh, and a mark of a of a true leader. Obviously the next big test for the SNP at the ballot box is going to be the, the Westminster election whenever it takes place. Given the party has seen a bit of a slump in the polls over the past year or so. Is it frustrating that you know your Westminster group could perhaps end up being punished for scandals and rows that have taken place at Holyrood? You know things that are out of your hands. Um, I'm I'm more 
comfort. This sounds bizarre, but I'm actually I'm pretty comforted uh, by the polls, if I'm honest, um, for two reasons. And I say this pretty regularly, both to to folk inside the party, but also to to the many many journalists that I speak to. Um, the numbers for independents are still broadly fifty fifty. So fifty percent of people in Scotland, give or take, want Scotland to be an independent nation, and we want Scotland to be an independent nation too. And you know we can we can be their voice to to ensure that that happens. And you know, secondly, in relation to the, the party numbers, yeah, the party's undoubtedly dropped off in terms of polling in comparison to where we were maybe twelve months ago, maybe even in comparison to where we were six months ago. But we're still ahead in the polls, um, despite all everything that that we've had to face. Um, yes, we know that there's there's all to play for in, in certain parts of of Scotland, but that has to be a motivating factor for us. Um, that's got to make us work harder and put our arguments to the public. Now, the Scottish, the Scottish public are very in tune with our politics. Uh, how can't they be after what's happened over the course of the last ten years or so? Um, and I think what they'll do is they'll judge us on our policies and they'll judge us on our role down here in Westminster, uh, which is holding this Conservative government to account in the best way we possibly can, um, but also preparing for what comes next. Um, and that may well not be a Conservative government. And it'll be for the, the people of Scotland to determine um, right across the country um, who they want to best represent their voice in, in Westminster. And I'm hopeful and you know, pretty confident that they'll, they'll continue to back the, the SNP in that, in that regard. Uh, John John Wheeler, a former Tory councillor, is the viable candidate there, and the Tories, of course, held the seat from 2017 to 2019. While the Conservatives could face a bit of a disastrous result nationally, the vote does appear to be holding up in the North East to an extent. Are you confident that you'll be able to hold on to your current seat? Uh, so so I, I beat the Tories in, in 2019. I won this seat back for the SNP, and I'm very confident about being able to to do that again, it is to all intents and purposes going to be a, a heads up uh, contest between me and the Tories. Um, the Lib Dems are third in the seat, and and Labour uh, obviously trail uh, in fourth. So yeah, I'm, I know what I need to do to to win. Um, my area is one which is very pro European. It, it's very much one which is um, <laughs> pro fairness, um, and is obviously very interested in energy policy. And you know, I've sought to. To do my best to represent Aberdeen South over the course of the, the last few years, and you know, hopefully, folk will back me to do it again. Um, for what it's worth, and I think this is important to say, I actually think John's a, a great guy. Uh, this will annoy him, uh, and I'll probably do me no favours. Uh, but me and John served on the on the council um, together. He, he lost his council seat in the council elections um, just, just the other year. Um, but John, John is a good guy, um, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing a platform uh, and a stage with him in the very many hustings I imagine that, that we do. And, you know, whilst we will disagree, and we will disagree vehemently uh, over very many things, we'll do so without being disagreeable. Uh, and I've no doubt that we'll, uh, we'll probably share a drink afterwards as well. While you represent Aberdeen, you're, of course, from Dundee, and some of our listeners might not be aware that your dad, Mark Flynn, is actually an SNP councillor in Dundee. How do you both find that? Do you talk much about politics when you're together or do you tend to talk more about the football? And like, who inspired who to sort of get into politics in the first place? Was it a mutual thing? Did he inspire you? Did you inspire him? Generally, our conversations are about United and it's usually him telling me to calm down uh, or telling me to stay in paradise and not storm out my seat. <laughs> Although there has been less of that this year, in fairness. Um, so no, that's, that's generally what we talk about. Uh, so my, myself, my dad... 
Uh, and my brother and my good pal, we, we all sit together at Tandice. I've been going with my dad since I was a, since I was a wee boy. Uh, I think him and my mum used to take me in the pram, so I'm, I'm accustomed to, to United in that regard. But no, in terms of, in terms of politics, so I, I was elected before my dad, um, and I convinced him to, because I knew he was a member of the party, I, I convinced him to, to try and run for, run for council, because uh, I thought he'd be very good at it. He cares massively about Dundee. Um, it's his city. Um, it's it's where he was brought up, and he's very passionate about it. And I thought he'd be I thought he'd be good given his uh, his background and his life experiences. Uh, and I think he's he's doing all right. Um, I think he might get a hard time from a few folk uh, every now and then. Um, I'm quite happy to see that. Uh, <laughs> it's his son. Uh, all of us deserve to be pushed every now and then. But he's uh, he's doing well. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just pretty proud of him for. Uh, for representing uh, his, own, his home city and doing a good job. Obviously, the goal in the long term for the SNP is to be rid of Westminster if Scotland does ever become independent. Do you currently see yourself at Westminster for the long haul, or would you ever fancy a crack at Holyrood in future? I mean, there are multiple members of Hamza Yousaf's government who previously served at Westminster, so could you see yourself following on from them at any point? Look, I, I get understandably get asked this question uh, a fair bit. I think most of us do, um, the MPs do, or when are you going to stand for Holyrood and all the rest of it. But, you know, we've got a job to do down here um, and we've got that job to be Scotland's voice in, in London. Um, I'm pretty proud to have that role and we'll we'll continue to, to do that to the best of our ability for as long as the public want us to do that. And hopefully um, the less time we spend in, in Westminster, the better. Um, I don't think Westminster works in Scotland's interests. And, you know, maybe we've seen a little bit of glimpse into the future with uh, some of Keir Starmer's comments over the weekend regarding uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, So if if people want proper change, the way to deliver proper change, and this will probably go down certainly well with a a Dundee audience, given that Dundee was, of course, a a yes city, is the fact that independence delivers that that real change and, and, you know, that real hope for, for a better future. Should the opportunity at some point arise for me to to stand for Holyrood, um, then I'll certainly consider it because I think most MPs, certainly Scottish MPs, um, want to serve Scotland to the best of their ability and Scotland's Parliament is, is where you'd want to, to be to to do that. Um, but in the meantime, you know, my, my focus is very much on the general election, um, winning my seat, winning lots of seats across Scotland and, and taking things from there. But I suppose looking at it years down the line, obviously Hamza Yousaf became First Minister this year. You, I imagine, will hope he is in that role for a long time. But would you ever see yourself going for the top job at any point? Is that something that would ever interest you? I, uh, as I think you uh, you asked and answered your own question there. I, I expect and hope that Hamza will be in the, in the role for for a long time. Uh, and, you know, he, he's doing well and he, he deserves to, to continue. And I've no doubt that the more the people of Scotland see of him the, the the more they appreciate just how good he is um, and you know on a personal level I, I see the strain uh, albeit I just get a little glimpse of it that puts upon individuals to be in positions of power um, and to their families as well uh, and I've got nothing but respect um, for the work that, that Hamza and all my colleagues in Edinburgh are doing uh, what is really challenging times. You are obviously still somewhat optimistic about your chances at the next election, despite recent difficulties. How well do you think the SNP will do? Is there a current seat total you're aiming for in particular? Is it, would you make a prediction at all? What do you kind of expect 
Labour Party to achieve at the next election. So, so I'm a I'm a Dundee United season ticket holder, and I've also got the equivalent of a season ticket at Hamden for Scotland. I think uh, optimism is uh, <laughs> runs right through me to want to 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 continue to do that most weeks. But um, in terms of numbers, um, not our focus is on winning as many seats as we possibly can. We of course hold the vast majority of seats uh, at Westminster. I want to see us. Um, hold all those seats, retain those seats, and also target um, some others as well. Um, there's like the Douglas Ross's seat, uh, or the new uh, equivalent of up in Murray, uh, that I'd be very keen to see us take. Uh, you know, up in Caithness, uh, way up in the Highlands, I'd, I'd like to see us um, gain there as well. So you know, it's not just about holding seats; it's about gaining seats as well. And that's where that's where I think my mindset's at, and I know it's where the parties is at as well. Um, as I said earlier, in relation to the poll numbers. Um, we are still ahead, um, and we we know what we need to do to to go and and win more seats um, at the election next year. So we just need to get on and do it. Do you worry at all? You talk about the cost of living and the impacts that is having on voters. Do you worry at all that Sir Keir Starmer is doing an effective job of peeling away? SNP voters, given there has been an arrowing of the polls. I mean, you say yourself that's what voters are talking about in the doorsteps, but are, are you managing to get that message across while Sir Keir Starmer is targeting those same voters? So for me, it's it's pretty simple. Like when I'm out on the doorstep and someone says to me that their energy bill uh, is going through the roof, um, I've got an answer to that, which is that the SNP have been championing a £400 energy rebate. I'm not aware of Labour's policy in respect to that. I'm not entirely sure that they've they've got one. When it comes to the mortgages, the other area people are being squeezed. It's the SNP that's been arguing for mortgage reliefs. Uh, it's not the Labour Party. It's the SNP who have been doing that. When it comes to food bills, it's the SNP who said that we should be replicating what's happening in France and we should be seeing caps on supermarket staples, you know, pasta and bread and milk and so on and so forth. Um, it's not the Labour Party that's done that. It's the SNP that's done that. So when it comes to the cost of living crisis is the SNP that's been at the forefront of those arguments. But similarly, when you know when we look at those three things, energy, um, bills, mortgages, and, and food prices, when it comes to the energy bills, they're, they're high because the fact that Westminster's energy policy has failed us for decades. You know, Scotland's an energy-rich country. We shouldn't have people living in full poverty worried about turning the, the heating on or the lights on. When it comes to the mortgages, they're high because Liz Truss crashed the economy. Westminster crashed the economy. And when it comes to food prices, they are artificially higher because of Brexit, something that Scotland didn't vote for, which Westminster forced upon us. So there's an intrinsic link between the cost of living crisis and independence, just as there is an intrinsic link between the arguments being made to mitigate the cost of living crisis and as having SNP MPs in Westminster. Um, so, so I see the two... The two is, is very much um, married and you know I'm confident that as we get into the guts of a general election campaign and we focus on policies, um, that the SNP has the policies that, that align with the, the values of the people of Scotland. Do you worry at all along similar lines that if the Lib Dems at a UK level make slight gains under Ed Davey, as has been predicted in some polls, that the SNP, even if your vote holds up to an extent, could perhaps lose that third place at a UK level. I mean, that, that's what probably gives you the slot you have to question the Prime Minister quite early on in Prime Minister's questions, and it gives you a good chance to grill Rishi Sunak. So do you worry that you know you would lose some of your effectiveness as SNP leader if the Lib Dems managed to squeeze you out of third place? 
you'll have to you'll have to forgive me there's there's very many things that i worry about in life and the lib dems has never been one of them uh, so that's probably the 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 only honest way to answer that question i'm afraid so i suppose as, as a final last question another prediction for you to make will you still be here next time sorry i'll start that again so i suppose one last prediction for you to make as a final question if an election has taken place by this time next year Will you still be here as an MP and are you confident that you'll still be here as SNP Westminster leader? I would like to, I'd like to hope so. Um, I think any politician who predicts the, the future and the outcomes of elections uh, doesn't do themselves any favour favours. But, you know, I've, I've uh, had the, the privilege of representing um, the many communities in Aberdeen since 2015, both as a, as a councillor, but also as an MP for the, the last few years, I'll, I'll stand on my record. I'm confident I can beat the, the Tories in Aberdeen South and be that strong voice um, for my city and, and the wider region in Westminster. Um, it'll be the, the public who determine whether that's enough um, or otherwise. But uh, like I say, I, I'm confident. Um, the only prediction I will make is that uh, Jim Goodwin will lead United to the title uh, and that Scotland will win the Euros. There's some very bold predictions there. Stephen Flynn, thanks for joining us. That was Stephen Flynn in conversation with Justin Bowie for The Stushy. We will be back next Wednesday. Until then, thanks to our guest, to producer Marvin McIntyre, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week, but until then, pick up a paper or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, Sunday Post, and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed.